Tom, do you think that you will become better at podcasting over time? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think I'm huh. just so naturally brilliant at it, and that's just that's innate. You know, I'm an innate, I'm an innately brilliant podcaster, right, and right, no right, amount right. of work could improve me or make someone less good, as good as I am. <laughs> so, I no, right. So, regardless of how many episodes we do, you don't think that you're going to improve, or that my skills indeed will improve. Uh, no. um, it's like a fixed level of skill. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, an, I, I am as it. You know, luckily, I'm naturally talented at wow. podcasting, and I just that I just bring that to the table, whatever, and I don't have to work or practice at it or anything. And well, obviously, that's, if, yeah. that's fascinating because that sounds very similar to the concept of a fixed mindset and it's very bad to have a fixed mindset because yeah 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 if you have a fixed mindset then you won't uh want to better yourself so you won't put any effort into learning new skills or improving the skills that you have i do i do have to admit that whenever anyone says that in fact i'm bad at podcasting i immediately run away and hide or or like um slander them onto social media and stuff to avoid having to face the possibility that i might not be as naturally brilliant as you've got a fixed mindset and i my friend have a growth mindset which is that uh if you put in effort and practice you can make yourself uh better and that uh is what we're going to be talking about today uh the concept of the growth mindset so welcome to the study show. My name's Stuart Ritchie, science writer at the I, and I am Tom Chivers, science writer at Semaphore. Tom, the um, everyone who has kids of a certain age has heard of growth mindset because it's such a massive thing in schools. Where where, where does it come from? Okay, so. There were these uh, trials, a bunch of studies in the '90s. By started out by um, a researcher at Stanford. I should have, I should have Stanford, yeah, 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 Stanford, yeah, Ca- uh, Carol Dweck. So she said that there are these two, there are these two mindsets we just discussed. There's the growth mindset, um, which is that if you the believe you believe you can improve your abilities at various things, at maths or sports or whatever, and that it's opposed to a fixed mindset in the belief that skills are innate and cannot be changed. Okay, yes. Um, and she says she claims there's a really stark difference between these two mindsets that it has a profound impact on life outcomes abilities and all this sort of stuff so she uh, uh, a quote of hers that almost every truly great athlete michael jordan jackie joiner kersey i don't know who that is no me neither tiger woods who i have heard of mia ham who i believe was a u.s uh, um, women's national women's team soccer player Pete Sampras. Um, you're not really a sports tennis? person, though, are you? is that tennis? Pete Sampras is oh, Jesus. Yes, Pete Sampras is tennis. But I suppose you were you are tiny and young. Anyway, also, also I've, I've never watched or enjoyed any sport ever. But oh, you shock me. You shock me there completely. <laughs> so, anyway, almost every truly great athlete has had a growth mindset. Amazing. Says, but she only names one, two, three, four, five. But, but they've all got growth mindsets. And she says yeah. in her book, in her 2006 book mindset Mm. it's called if you read the book Mm. quote you'll suddenly understand the greats in the sciences and arts in sports and in business and the Mm. would have beans you'll understand your mate i think that means like your partner not your your my buddy my pal Your (laughs) your mate your boss your friends your kids you'll see how to unleash your potential and your children's Oh, okay, right. So fixed mindset, on the other hand, people, those fixed mindset people are easily dev- they're devastated by setbacks oh and, um, and they are so concerned with being and looking talented that they never realise their full potential. In a fixed mindset, the cardinal rule is to look talented at all costs. The second rule is to don't work too hard or practice too much because having to work casts doubt on your ability. Um, and the third rule is when faced with setbacks to run away. They say things <laughs> like, I would try to cheat on the next test. They make excuses, they blame others, they make themselves feel 
feel better by looking down, down on those who have done worse. So, there's so that like, sounds bad. Yeah, that does sound bad. So there's two types of people, basically. Or, or I guess people vary in the extent to which they have uh, yeah, these. I, it's I, like I, a I don't spectrum. Know. I assume so. I assume it's not literally you fall 100% into one bucket <laughs> or the other, but because yeah. uh, that would be crazy. But anyway, yeah, so that, that is, you know, these, these are the two poles of the of the spectrum i guess but right so you know so like so far so so you know it's the elect and the damned right you know the 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 some some are some people are have this growth mindset and they're brilliant and some people don't and they they are rubbish and they collapse but but and this is the really key thing apparently you can instill a growth mindset with amazingly simple interventions really just gentle you know tiny little things and that intervention is that if you praise children, especially for their effort rather than for their ability, um, this sort yeah. of the the canonical study was Dweck and Mueller, nineteen ninety eight. There have been other studies. You know, this isn't the only one. There have been other studies, but this was the one that uh, I think really sort of launched the whole thing. Yeah, um, I think I, it's not. I mean, it's not just. I mean, that was that was in the original study, but like hmm. the later ones, it's like. 50 minutes of being told that people can improve their abilities is, is, is the sort of thing like you, you actually like explicitly say there is this thing called a growth mindset and it means you're better at you know you, you, it mm. means you, you uh, believe that you're it's, it's all about the word yet yes. I'm not I'm not great at maths yet yet uh, well the the original one though was I mean it was just really I mean it's amazing amazing effect size uh, you know the the, the 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 size of the impact that these things had so they gave 128 children a test mm-hmm. and then all of them were told that they had scored more than 80 percent and that this was a really good score nice and then one third of them which i don't i mean 128 doesn't divide by three but um about uh, approximately whatever. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so roughly so i told that you must have worked hard at these problems a third uh. were told that you must be smart at these problems and the rest were left as a control so given no um okay. sort of praise of either kind um and then the children were given further tests like uh, which which were described as either these are problems that are pretty easy so you'll do well or problems that you'll learn a lot from even if i won't look so smart so you know they're, they're hard or easy ones right. and um apparently the children who are praised as smart, so uh, hope the, the, which they thought would instill a fixed mindset, only eight percent of them opted to do the hard problems, um, and whereas those praised as hardworking, so the ones where they hoped it instilled a, a, a growth mindset, sixty-seven um, percent of them chose to do the harder problems. Wow. That, you know, even they'll learn a lot from eight percent versus sixty-seven percent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what 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 is that? That's uh, 500% no 700% increase <laughs> it's a big old right? effect size yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Uh, um, they also apparently the children who were in the um, uh, the the fixed uh, group or the you know the smart praise group were yeah. also less likely to persevere at the harder tasks when given them later they enjoyed the process less they did worse at hard but not impossible tasks these are just these are huge impacts from a tiny thing but yes you're right in later studies this was the canonical first one but yeah. in later studies they the the um intervention wasn't quite so yeah, tiny and minor, dust-like yeah, yeah exactly uh, uh, yeah and that's broadly what i see as this uh decline effect in growth mindset i wrote a piece last year called how growth mindset shrank mm. and i think what's happened and this is we'll come into the actual question of you know what what this the studies show about you know whether growth mindset works for you know improving your kids education or not but aside from that the claims at the start were massive right the claims mm. were if you understand growth mindset you'll you'll change your life basically you'll change your life you'll change your partner's life you'll change your kid's life mm. that's the sort of stuff that sells books and yes. dweck's book which is called mindset 
it's a massive bestseller. I think it says on the on the website like a million copies sold, or maybe more than that. Yeah. So so like that's that's an awful lot. Now you don't you don't get that by saying here's this little minor educational intervention that may you know boost your kids' grades by a small amount. You get that by by making huge big you know huge big claims, claims about yeah. how how uh, important and life changing your your intervention is. And um, it's not just best selling books; it's also schools it's also you know pretty much every school that i've ever heard of you know my friends have kids there i've worked in schools whatever my son yes yeah my son's very first ever piece of homework he was in reception year so that's age four going on five and he was five years old i think at the time um it was it was was a poster make a poster extolling the importance of growth mindset and you see when you when you go into uh, that's my kid's school. Um, you do see posters about growth mindset up right. all over the place. It's it's, it's in teacher absolute... training. It's yeah. in it's every it's everywhere. This is yeah. this is a massive meme uh, in, in in education, and you can sort of you can totally understand why. Hmm. It, it it like it's a it's a you know work work hard, do your best sort of thing. Hmm. Um, it fits it fits well with what teachers sort of want to want to see, um, and obviously like. If you don't do any work, then you won't learn anything. And that's, I think, a fairly banal truth about yeah. about education. But the real question is whether these specific interventions, whether it's the just like praising the kids in a different way, or whether it's the doing a 50-minute intervention where you're told about growth mindset. Like, that big question is, does that actually work? Does that actually make yeah. kids do better at their exams? And that is the... Um, the big the big question that uh, people have now before we before we go on to that though i just want to mention a couple of things that i mentioned in that article about growth mindset shrinking which is there was a point uh, in like the early 2000s sorry the early 2010s yes where it all became a bit ridiculous and there was actually an article in uh, scientific american oh yeah but there was also a study published i think in science yeah the, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest journals yeah, in the world. One of the two, yeah. About how the Middle East peace process could be promoted by changing beliefs about people's growth mindsets. Um, oh, this Dweck, Dweck, um, don't know if she wrote it, but yeah, I, I've, I've got in the first thing I ever wrote about growth mindset that she said that it could, anyway, yeah, sorry, I've jumped in this. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah just, it could solve the, the Middle East peace uh, process. And so there's multiple studies. One of them, they they find that uh, among Jewish Israelis, if you have the belief that groups can change, that Mm -hmm. that, the strength of your, uh, of how much you hold that belief is correlated with being more positively disposed to Palestinians, right? So if you think groups can change, you're maybe a bit less, you know, xenophobic, then maybe you're more positively disposed. And then they did these interventions where they tried to like instill the idea of you know group malleability like people can change people can change so you see how this is you know it it was from the educational context but it spread Mm. really quite far um and they're like tiny studies with you know double figures numbers of participants the effects are extremely borderline like if you look at the you know for statistics fans for uh, the p-values are all very close to the cut off of 0.05 so you know to declare something statistically significant you want it to be less than 0.05 and these are just less than 0.05 which in many cases is an indication that the study has been subject to uh um, what's known as p-hacking, which is where you kind of slightly change your analysis in order to get that mm. critical number down below 0.05. Um, it's very borderline. 
and very weak. Like, it's the sort of thing that would need to be replicated. I don't think I've ever seen a replication um, of that of that uh, study. Oh, wait, well, well, actually, that's not true because there is a follow-up, not quite the, exactly the same, but there's a follow-up where they read about Jerry Adams, have you seen this? No, yeah. uh, no I, I, I vaguely remember it from years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they re- they were they read about changes that occurred in groups, including leaders like Jerry Adams and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. What an amazing! Pair amazing. Yeah, exactly. Of- <laughs> How often have those two been mentioned in the same breath? <laughs> but the idea is that, like Jerry Adams, is an example of change because he agreed to you know go go on the peace process rather than uh, continuing violence so i can sort of see i can sort of see yeah although i mean i, I should say it they're like because someone changed their mind about something they have a growth mindset you can just point at anything and you know like, point, like you've yeah. got a growth mindset if you think if you change your job or whatever like but how 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 easily how easy is it to diagnose people with a growth mindset well you know. jerry adams has one all right so you well, yeah, want okay, to be more yeah, like him yeah exactly yeah i don't want to i don't want to annoy jerry adams at all so <laughs> exactly. also, like, you know michael jordan saying I, I failed a load um and then i succeeded i mean i guess that is the sort of thing does sort of imply but is it is that enough to diagnose one of these from the outside it's getting also, a bit overextended isn't it from yeah, michael exactly. jordan to jerry adams but also the um i noticed it was on her website back in 2017 it's now it's now gone the link is broken but there was um she claimed that a fixed mindset caused the enron scandal you know the um which, I, I, i'm fascinated by that um yeah anyway but look i mean none you know it's all would so also, I will notice on, on the on the subject of it sort of spreading everywhere. Have yeah. you, are you is your kid old enough to watch CBBS yet? Yeah, yeah, I've seen. Well, we've we've we put it on. I mean, I don't think she understands much of it, but no, well, no, but she's she's there. She sort watches of staring it. She at goes, bright oh, colours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, on the CBBS website, there's a there's a whole article about um, how to instil a uh, growth mindset in your children. In your like you. tiny toddler. Yeah, exactly. For in God's your, sake. Well, in uh, your ten month old baby or whatever. Uh, the hell yeah. for old, I, I, I do I do think the concept is just wildly overextended. I mean, the the uh, just to just to finish the Jerry Adams thing, mm. the measure in that paper mm. was that to test their like nonverbal communication, like to see how well they were they would. Pl- so this was Palestinian Israeli and Jewish Israeli kids yeah. in groups, and they were given collaborative tasks to do. And this is the sentence I say this in the in in my article. Here's a sentence I could never imagine typing before I read this paper: learning about Jerry Adams led to the Israeli and Palestinian children building a 59% higher spaghetti tower. <laughs> you just think, what, what is psychology? You know, that's the measurement, was how good they were, were completing a, a, a spaghetti tower. Um, and they built a statistically significantly higher spaghetti tower if they heard that Jerry, if they heard about Jerry Adams and how he can change. So, so the idea is, like, it promotes harmony between Jewish-Israeli and Palestinian-Israeli um, uh, kids. I mean, honestly, if you're building a high spaghetti tower, you're most of the way towards establishing peace. I, agree, you? I think that's I agree. Uh, <laughs> the Middle East peace process is basically sort of, solved. Yeah, yeah, with pasta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't that remarkable? And they say, although this is just a beginning, these initial findings are promising and may provide insights for future conflict resolution efforts. Wonderful. And as I say in the article, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah brilliant. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so yeah, let, let's let's go back to that. That's the silly, the silly stuff where yeah. I think they got a little bit high on their own supply and um, went into trying to solve world peace um, yeah. r- rather than focusing on the, what I would say is much more plausible, which is the way you teach kids 
might have an influence on how well they do in school and that sounds mm. like the sort of study that you should be focusing on and that's yes. what a lot of studies have focused on I've totally it's not the worst that. idea in the world to remind people that just persevering with a task is, is actually really good and, and yeah. know, doing making doing more practice will help them become better at it yes the question is is growth mindset real and i should i should admit uh, a conflict of interest here to some extent which is that way back in 2017 i wrote a piece for buzzfeed saying yeah mm. maybe not and the thing is when you say put something publicly like that it does you, you don't want to look an idiot by then when it when uh, when later on it show, it's shown to be real or something like that so <laughs> so i've got a natural so i have to admit i'm i'm gonna always it'll always be I've got a bit of an uphill battle to convince myself if it is real. You've got a conflict um, of interest. I have. Yeah. I've got a conflict of interest. I've literally got a conflict of interest. And it's not a financial conflict, but it's an ideological conflict, which I think is something people don't talk about enough. enough. Yeah. We're going to no, come it's... to financial conflicts of interest, which are a big part of this story. Yeah. But, but just, yes, but absolutely. Uh, so I, I, I feel I should say that to bear that in mind. I, it's something, it's something I, I, I always acknowledge about myself. But we did say back way back then that some of the studies didn't look a bit shaky and that the data wasn't as strong as all that and that there weren't any real replications and people who were trying to do replications weren't finding results as they were. Um, is, was that fair back then, Stuart? Is yeah, it fair now? Has I, anything changed? That was fair. And actually, since then, um, there's been several attempts and this is I, I do apologize in advance to the audience because it does get to a bit of a convoluted story but i think i think it's 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 worth uh, going through it there have been several attempts to synthesize all the evidence and like meta-analyze it that is look at all the studies that are relevant um and try and come to some overall conclusion um actually just the year after your article uh, was published there was a meta-analysis published by some authors who i think you know, I think broadly you'd say that they're sceptical of growth mindset. They're not people who have published a huge amount of pro-growth mindset stuff before. Mm. Um, and they published that in, in 2018. And um, they asked two questions in that. And one of them, I think, is fairly um, straightforward. And I totally, like, I, I can totally believe this. So one of them is, is having a growth mindset correlated with academic achievement? So, like... Is it the case that if if you just ask people, I'm not talking about mm. doing an intervention here or coming to the classroom and doing a 50-minute talk or anything like that. It's just, do people who believe that they can improve their um, abilities and skills, do they tend to do better? And I would expect, if you just asked me without any knowledge of any of all this stuff, I would say, yeah, I think there would be a small correlation there. Yeah, like I mean, it makes are, sense, right? That right. makes sense. If you don't believe you can be better at stuff, you might give up. It'd be, yeah, exactly. It'd be it'd be, yeah. it'd be frankly a weird thing to do to practice to improve <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. But, like, yeah. but I wouldn't also say that it's a massive correlation. I wouldn't hmm. say like, oh, it's a dramatically, you know, I wouldn't say it's a, it, it, it's it's some dramatically huge uh, impact of that of that knowledge. Well, I mean, in psychology, nothing much is is a massive dramatic size correlation because yes. that's just the way things are in psychology things are a bit complicated but um, also presumably it's quite you know i i don't easily believe that we can just divide people into these two things so straightforward anyway and that some people I, w I will believe i can improve by working at something but i might not believe i can improve by working so much at something else and you know there won't it'll be a bit messy and noisy just declaring who's in the two two right. mindset right. camps anyway sorry but yes that's no no um, you're right no you're right and the overall mm. correlation is 0.1 right so it's a, 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 a on a scale of minus one to one the correlation mm. sort of standardized correlation scale um it's it's not zero 
but it's mm. but it's point one, which would yeah. be considered a small effect, a small correlation in uh, in in psychology. So, um, that's that's one thing. So that's the first thing. Okay. I, I I can believe that. Yeah, it doesn't sound that surprising to me. The second thing that they found, there that they looked at, the second question they looked at, and by the way. For that first part, there were 273 different studies that they meta-analyzed. So that's quite a lot of research that they yeah. kind of synthesized into one thing. For the second part, they asked, can you actually change people's mindset if you do an intervention? So that, that's an experimental question rather than right. just a correlational one. You're actually going into the classroom and you're, you're trying to see if you can boost kids' achievement in school um, with actually you know, doing these growth mindset interventions. And there were only 43 studies they could find for, for that in 2018. And... They find that it's a really, it's a fairly small um, effect again, like like really not not a massive, not, not even massive. 0. 0.1 correlation. Or in this case, it's not a correlation because in this case you're not looking at a correlation of two variables. You're looking at two different groups. So there's a, c- a control group and a treatment group. So the treatment mm. group in this case are the group that got some kind of a growth mindset intervention, and the control group are doing something else. Um, and what they found was a Cohen's D. So this is a statistical value, like the letter D, yep. um, of 0. 0.08. That was the overall effect in the study. Now, 0.08 means there's different. There's like plain English ways that you can explain these effect sizes, and there's a really useful website um, which I'll post in the show notes where you can you can actually put in an effect size and get the plain English description. And I'm just going to try and remember something. Is the, the difference in height between men and women is point? Point eight or something like no, that? No, it's much yeah. bigger than that. It's like oh, two, right. two and a half, oh, okay. two point five, okay, something yeah, like that. Yeah, like right. enormous, right. enormous, enormous. So the, the difference in height between women and Cohen's D is more than two standard deviations. So Cohen's D is a standard deviation unit for anyone who okay. enjoys statistics. The difference between men and women's height is absolutely enormous. Like there are hardly any women who are who are taller than the average man. The average or, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're yeah. Very, they're, they're fairly few. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So with an effect size of 0.08, what that means is if you have a distribution of, of uh, all the scores in each group, hmm. you'd expect it to be, if there was no difference between the groups, you'd expect it to be 100% overlap between these distributions, right? Yeah. So you can imagine like a bell curve of, of like academic achievement in each group, and there'd be 100% overlap because there's They're no exactly difference the same. between yeah. the groups. In this case, there's a 96.8% overlap. So it's not 100 but, but it's, it's also close. 96.8%. Yeah. So it's a very small effect. Now, that doesn't mean that it's meaningless because, of course, everything is made up of little small effects of everything. But, but that's just to put it in, put it in context. Uh, another way of describing it is that 53.2% of the treatment group at the mm-hmm. end of the intervention will be above the average of the control group. Now, again, if there was no effect, you'd expect it to be 50%, right? So it's just 50% of the treatment group would be above the average of the control group. Because there's no difference in the average. So it's roughly saying right. there's about a 3% chance it will have made an appreciable difference. It's a t- given yeah. Yeah. That's another way of putting it. It's a tiny, tiny mm. effect. Okay, so that's, that's what they found. At the same time, there was a really big study done um, by, I think it's fair to say, growth mindset proponents. Right. They did an enormous study of like thousands and thousands of kids in the US. So this isn't a meta-analysis. This is going out and collecting new data. Okay. And they got a special, like a, a company, to collect the data and do the do the actual interventions. So it wasn't them doing the interventions in the schools. They went into schools, did this special growth mindset intervention, and then tested the the effect. And the overall effect there was a Cohen's D of 0.11. So it was 0.08 before, and it was 0.11 in this case. <clears throat> okay. N- now that's a little bit bigger. Mm. 
but it's not that much it's still yeah it's still I, I don't know you've probably got the numbers in front of you but it's still not going to be like oh wow this is it's not going to be like men and women's height is it no. it's going to be a in very, that case very small it's 54% difference. of the treatment group would be above the average of the control group or a 95.6% overlap in the distributions right so okay. again a, a small a small effect by the way for men and women's height if you'd say it was two standard deviations say so a Cohen's D yeah. of two like 2.0 there would be a 31% overlap or 97% of men would be above the, the average of the women. Yes. Right. So yeah. that's, how, that's like a dramatically massive effect on the other side of the scale. Mm. And what we're talking about is little tiny effects. Okay, but but we should like we shouldn't be too dismissive of it because if you no. do a, a, a small intervention that makes three percent, you know, th- uh, suddenly bumps children up by three percent or something like that, that's a that's a non-trivial yeah. impact, right? If it's no. a statistically sort of reliable effect, that is like it it, it comes out each time, hmm. uh, and it isn't just noise in the study, and it's cheap to administer yep. like obviously if you were having a tiny effect and it cost a million pounds per student you would yeah. want to reevaluate. but if it just cost a few pennies per student or a few dollars hmm. that that might be that might be good so yeah. i'm just trying to put things in context um so and then also around about that same time there was also a big study by the uh funded by the educational endowment foundation here in the uk hmm. and they found no statistically significant results yes um, i remember that one they wrote it up like there was a, a thing but actually it, it said i can't remember the phrases i should have but it said like trending towards significance yeah, or yeah. Something like there, that. there was an effect and then but it wasn't yeah. significant yes exactly <laughs> so, so so that was another thing that came out that was a big one in the uk and the educational endowment foundation is this government uh it's like they call it a what works center and it's uh they fund sort of especially in education where it's rel- relatively easy to do trials of things because you've, you've got yeah. sort of ready-made classes and kids and stuff they do quite a lot of different uh, different trials the studies show is sponsored by works in progress and works in progress is an online magazine about science and technology and obviously progress hence mm. the name yeah progress um, is it's part of the progress studies tradition which is like this kind of slightly new area of trying to understand where we got scientific and technological progress and how we can accelerate it in, in, in future. And it's, it's got a piece on the site at the moment from earlier this year about France's baby bust. I hadn't, I hadn't realised this. There was a time not that long ago, well, quite long ago, uh, 300, 320, 320 years ago, but there was, <laughs> <laughs> so 1700, uh, but almost one in, tw- one in 25 people on earth were French. It was uh, by far the thought, biggest... Tom, if you're an Englishman <sighs> like uh, yourself. Yes, I'm exactly. Sure. A proud, you know, uh, just ready to uh, go and fire longbows at people yeah. just for... You know. Obviously, being uh, Scottish, we're in the old alliance and uh, thus we uh, like the French. Yeah, you just perfidiously invade us whenever we get yes, in a, a, a righteous war with our, <laughs> our enemies across the channel. Very cross about it. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, France used to be vastly more populous than any other country in Europe and vastly more powerful. It was the great superpower of the sort of you know, the medieval era and then the, then the early modern. But yeah. then its population just fell away and... The exact reasons are got into in this in the uh, works in progress article. And I won't spoil them for you, yeah. but it explains why England and uh, Germany and the other countries around were able to catch up and become powers of their own rather than just being dominated utterly. Because France is also just physically a huge place, and right. you know it's vastly less. But, but those other countries also later became subject to their own 
sort of fertility declines and baby busts it's just that france was kind of earlier in the mm. in 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 history to, to do it and it was kind of a uh, this article uses it as a kind of a lab for uh, you know working out why fertility declines happen yes. um so uh, and obviously that's something that lots of countries are experiencing um quite acutely now i think the population of japan just dropped by 800,000 people yeah. Um, or, or thereabouts. I always think of Japan as having 125 million people. That's in my mind. 125 million, but maybe but, it's 124 now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> because there's just so many deaths and so few births. Um, yeah, and all these, all of East Asia is seeing similar things, but also South Korea, all of Europe, ma- majorly yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, all of Europe, and you know, even the countries we think of as. You know, the, 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 it was Hans Rosling's thing, wasn't it, for a long time that we everyone. If you ask people how many people, how many children the average woman in Bangladesh has, most people will say like six or five, and it's actually like two point three now. You right, know? as these countries are industrializing and getting richer, more educated, and yeah. more educated. Yeah, education is the real um, female education big yeah. factor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something's happening to the fertility rate, and uh, that's going to have big influence uh, impacts on questions like immigration and technology and looking after an aging population and so on in future so it's a big question and um, this is a great article by guillaume blanc in works in progress magazine so that's at worksinprogress.co Yes, .co, um, not .com. .co. Not .co. Yeah. And w- there's loads of, of, of other really interesting articles uh, on the site that you can really, you know, they really go in depth. You can really dig in and uh, you feel like you've really seen a new perspective and learned something really important when you when you read a Works in Progress article, um, I would I would say. So do take a look, worksinprogress.co. And, you know, thanks to Works in Progress. We're, we're yes, very we're grateful. we're very grateful. Yeah, they're very, very grateful. Out. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks. And uh, now back to the show. So the question is then, is that the end of the story? 2018, you know, have we basically decided that growth mindset kind of works and it's a small effect? Well, actually, no, because subsequently there have been even more meta-analyses of the the growth mindset question and even more controversy about it. So we should we should, we should, we should probably we should we should but we should also I don't know if we've been completely explicit about this about reminding listeners what a meta-analysis is mm. because that is important to what Fair you're point. about to say. Um, and I mean, I, I think I'm fair fair in describing it. It's just a sort of roundup of all the existing studies on a uh, on a topic, which which uses somewhat clever statistical techniques to combine the evidence of it and the, uh, combine combine the numbers to so you get basically a supersized sample size, and then you can say this is what the the uh, the consensus of the evidence says. Is that is that yeah. a, a reasonably fair sum up? Yeah. So instead of having you know, just looking at individual studies, you're trying to take a comprehensive look at all the evidence in a particular area. So if there's like 10 studies that each have 100 people in them, then you've just got yourself a sample size of 1,000 and you can combine them together. And the in theory, the, in theory, you should get a more reliable conclusion by doing that. In practice, meta-analysis is subject to all the same problems that, or, or many similar problems to uh, to any individual study. But also, okay, so that raises an interesting question, right? Which I, I think I, I hope you'll be able to explain to me. If if the if there's a meta analysis looking at all the evidence on a topic, and then someone else does another meta analysis, yes. then aren't they just looking at all the same <laughs> topics? And isn't it just doing the same thing twice? Sometimes they are. Sometimes different meta analysts can look at exactly the same data and find different conclusions because they're using different statistics, or they're doing some kind of some kind of you know. Um, uh, quirk in the analysis so that's one thing but actually different meta-analyses often have different inclusion criteria that is you know so it's it, it, it's a fairly it's a simple summary to say like a meta-analysis looks at all the evidence on a question but they mm. don't actually look at all the evidence because they they 
don't consider all the studies to be relevant in some cases. Hmm. So, you know, you might look at... Um, instead of looking at all the evidence on growth mindset, you restrict it to all the evidence on growth mindset in people under 18, for instance. That would be an yeah. inclusion criteria for the study. Um, or you might look at it in English-speaking countries only, say. Okay. Because in other countries, you might expect, you know, the interventions would be a bit different because they're in, in, delivered in a different language. And and so you actually, different meta-analysts can end up with very different samples and that becomes relevant later um of studies remember a meta-analysis is instead of the participants in your study or the cells or the you know whatever other the individual piece of data you have the data points are studies hmm. and so you're including different things in it depending on what your inclusion and exclusion criteria are um and there's no objective way of choosing that that's right. kind of how that's just one of the one of the problems of of of, of, of meta-analysis okay so it's a sort of subject you you do a you know you do a, a somewhat subjective choice that i i you might for instance say that i don't trust that some studies have a low include low quality and you don't you're going to exclude them or you're going right. to say that these studies are in the wrong group of people who i don't care about so i'm not going to look at them so you, you end up with rather different people you're looking at but here's the trick Okay. You plan it out beforehand. Instead of just choosing as you go along, the mm -hmm. best thing to do, and not many meta-analyses actually adhere to this, or, or not all of them certainly, you, you're meant to plan it out beforehand. So you say, we will include only these studies and only, you know, ex exclude only these studies and write it down somewhere public. Hmm pre-register it before you even start so you've got a plan all the way from the beginning of, of what studies you're going to include and exclude because otherwise you might be tempted to include a study that looks favorable to your hypothesis or exclude a study that makes your hypothesis look like it might not be real yeah which um, people definitely do in the context of actual you know people definitely do comparable things in the context of um studies, whether or studies not yeah. yeah exactly yeah totally, totally. and no, no one's suggesting they're doing it on purpose exactly but they're doing it because you are fallible humans human who, biases yeah, we all want exactly. our pet theory to be true and in this case there are people who are very invested in growth mindset i think you could mm. also say literally and we'll come to that back to that yes exactly <laughs> um so there are two new meta-analyses in uh, this year what, yeah, is that, is it? yeah yeah uh, okay so tell me about them one of them is by the same authors as the previous one. So they had 40, what was it, 42 or 43 studies in the last one. And this time they've got 63 studies because since 2018, there's been more studies published. So hmm. they, they found 63. And this is they were only looking at the intervention ones in this case. And in this case, they find an even smaller effect size overall. So it's D equals 0 0.05. So like 98% overlap between the, uh, the conditions. Really small effect overall. They didn't find, and this is something that a lot of the growth mindset people say, is that, well, okay, you don't find that there's, the average effect is a bit of a silly thing to, to ask for because there's no average. Uh, it's it's what you want to, to find out is whether it's it, it, it works for, for certain types of kids. Where and when does it work? Does it work for kids who are poor and at risk of academic failure? Mm -hmm. Does it work for kids who are rich and you know need that extra bit of encouragement? Where, where does it actually work? What they found in this meta-analysis was you can look whatever way you want and you don't find any differences according to that sort of thing. Uh, you, you you don't find that the effect is statistically significant in you know high S, in low SES kids or high SES kids in, in particular. It, when I say SES, I mean socioeconomic status. It's a bit nicer than saying class, but that's all yes, it means. It's roughly what it means. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
and then they looked at they looked at various different things. So they looked at um, whether the studies themselves were pre-registered, and they found that if you just look at the studies that are pre-registered, there's no effect at all. So not just a small effect, but no effect at all. If okay. you look at the studies that are, there was a manipulation check that worked. Now you, you, you've you've uh, um, written about this, or, or you, I, I did read, write about it. I mentioned it in in a, an earlier piece about yeah. growth mindset, about an earlier. So there's a piece of jargon. Explain what does a manipulation check mean? So a manipulation check is when when you do in this case you do your um intervention so you want to instill growth mindset in someone and what you're ultimately interested in is whether that creates whether whether that makes them better at whatever the the academic thing you want them to do but you also want to know whether it actually if whether actually made them have a growth mindset at all right like so if 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 like so what your manipulation does, it, you, you can you can in theory test whether someone's got a growth mindset by asking them some questionnaire or whatever. In theory, if what what should happen is you look at some kid, they you test test them for their growth mindset. It turns out they've got a fixed mindset. You give them their intervention, then you test again. They've now got a growth mindset, and then later on they become brilliant at playing the oboe or whatever it is, right? right. Um, but so so that's the manipulation check. Has it actually instilled? Has it done the thing we expect it to do before it then has the impact on the, the final, the final impact? Yes, exactly. Because it because because it, it could be that just paying kids extra attention or, mm. or something or. They like the instructor or, so, or something. Yeah, and it's exactly. not actually it some totally other method. Yeah, or, yeah, it's not their growth yeah. mindset that causes them to do better. It's just something else that causes yeah. them to do better. Funnily enough, we didn't. Uh, I remember right saying in one of those um, meta-analyses from 2018 that there was a weird thing where they, they found the statistically significant results only in people for whom the manipulation check failed. Is that right? Yeah, that was, yeah. That was yeah, the case brilliant. in that one. And I believe in this one... Hmm. If you look only at the studies where the manipulation check worked, there was no effect. So okay, which you is do weird, need a, which is a weird thing. You need those studies where the manipulation check didn't work to find to find the effect again, which mm. is the same as the twenty eighteen one, really. But it's bizarre. That doesn't make any sense. What it implies is that you growth know, mindset isn't the important thing. Whatever yeah, else is going on, it's, it's not. Or it sort of seems to imply that it's not growth mindset itself that's having the effect here, and it might make you, if you were of a cynical or skeptical bent, think maybe it's all a statistical fluke. Maybe, maybe that? it would, maybe it would uh, think that. And in yes. fact, if you look at the studies that uh, were only the very, very best ones, so they pre-registered, they, they pre-registered them, size. they tied their hands to the mass like Odysseus and made sure mm. that they didn't, they couldn't fiddle about with the analysis after they'd planned it out. Mm. All sorts of like high quality stuff and bl- like, you know, blinding if they could, all sorts of things like that. And there's only eight studies like that out of the 63. Mm. So that shows you how many studies they consider to be not very good. Yep. There's no effect overall. So uh, again, just to say that, clearly, shocked. If, yeah. you look, if you look at the best studies of growth mindset the ones that are high quality methodologically you don't find any effect right so that that's what they found in this in this meta-analysis there's no effect of growth mindset do not, just a, not a small effect no effect do you know what that reminds me of what does that remind homeopathy. you of? <laughs> homeopathy homeopathy <laughs> yes there is a, a real classic thing that if you in homeopathy you get, you get the because um, of course we were all involved in the big homeopaths are stupid wars of the early mm. 2000s you know I remember um, it well fondly yeah, great days. That that and um, all, you know, led by Ben Goldacre with our flags, our banners waving. You know, I went and stood um, outside Boots, the um, pharmacist, and took an overdose of homeopathic pills, which are all. And just here you are pills. to tell the tale. Incredible. Yeah, it's funny I didn't die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But 
that was the thing that you always find people say look at these studies these studies work these studies work and some of the studies did or these studies show a result you know and and it was indeed true there were studies that showed result but it the there was an amazing correlation between the quality of the studies and how big a result it found and the bigger the the, the more high quality of the study yeah the weaker the result right. the thing found and, and the best studies never found any result at all and it tends just, to be a really a really kind of um straightforward way of looking at that is it's very often in medical trials the bigger trials find smaller effects and bigger tends to be better now not always but mm. it's one you know you don't want a teeny tiny trial with like 15 people in it or something you want you want a you know several thousand people in your medical trials mm. and often for a lot of these you know alternative medicines and stuff the bigger trials there's a correlation between sample size and effect size and that yep. that should it's not a hundred percent by any means, but it implies that the better studies are finding are less likely to find an effect, and that's yes. the case here for growth mindset. Yes, yes. Not that I'm comparing growth mindset or and its proponents to the proponents of homeopathy, but that, that not, was Tom. just interesting, interesting parallel. We wouldn't there, want to do that, would we? No. So, um, th- uh, uh, and another thing that they did. And so, oh, just finally, by the way. Another thing you can do in meta-analysis, and this is uh, a very long explanation and, and we don't you know, want to go into huge detail about it. Another thing you can do is you can look at publication bias, right? So scientists are more likely to publish positive effects. We know that, that there, hmm. um, there's a bias towards, you know, if you do a trial uh, or some kind of study, these aren't, obviously mm-hmm. these aren't clinical trials, these are psychology studies. If you do a psychology study and you get a nice positive result showing that growth mindset works, you're more likely to be motivated to publish that. Journals mm. are more motivated to accept it. Peer reviewers are more motivated to give it a nice, easy ride than one that finds no effect or one that even finds a negative effect, like growth mindset is bad. Mm. Because growth mindset is nice, and it would be nice if we yeah. believe if growth mindset occurred, right? Um, yeah, and also, and also, I mean, it's just it's it, it is it's a whole. There's a gigantic problem with science here about how journals want to publish novel results rather than what so so then scientists want to find novel results so they can get their, their studies published so exactly. they can do well in their career it's this gigantic exactly. mess of of, uh, of of bad incentives in science yeah a huge problem of of this uh, uh, publication bias and there are statistical ways to try and check for publication bias um i have tried in lectures to explain these quickly and even to audiences that are you know in a literally in a statistics class and you can't do that so I'm not even going to try, but um, there are there's statistical ways to try and correct for the lack of, um, you know, the predicted lack of negative or null studies that don't find an effect. And they tried this in the meta-analysis. And when you do that, the effect goes to zero as well. I'm so. going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. Surely it can't be that hard. I, I don't believe you. Uh, but Good like, luck. Okay. All right. Here goes. So you would expect the best studies to land somewhere around the true answer, right? You would expect the weaker studies to land, to be scattered more randomly around the true answer, but to nonetheless have the, have the same average answer as the best studies. If you find that the... We, the, uh, the mean of the weaker studies is much more positive than the mean of the better studies, then that's evidence for publication bias because it suggests that some of the weaker studies that haven't found a result have not been published. Is that close to the truth? I obviously understood because I've like written meta-analyses and stuff and, and reviewed mm. them and things, but I... You don't think the audience will? Okay. Look, if you've never encountered mm. this before and you understood mm. that, then send, leave us a comment. Yeah, please do, actually. I, um, I genuinely found it really hard to explain this to people in the past. Yeah, yeah well, so. that's, uh, yeah, you're just a lecturer. I'm a journalist. I'm <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You've got away <laughs> yeah. with words. Anyway, yeah. but there's a final thing, which yes. uh, relates to another um, article that you wrote uh, a couple of years ago, 
which I think is quite funny or quite yes. depressing, depending on how you look at it. Bleakly funny, blackly <laughs> funny. And yeah. here's, here's what they found. Uh, and they actually cite Chivers 2019, hmm. because you wrote Love an it. article about this. Authors with a financial incentive to report positive findings publish significantly larger effects than authors without this incentive. Which is, yes, uh, this is this is probably the most impactful piece of journalism I've ever done. Mm. So you might say, what do you mean financial incentive to report positive findings? Uh, well, we'll put, a, we'll put a link in the show notes, but I wrote a piece in 2019 titled, for Nature titled, Does Psychology Have a Conflict of Interest Problem? And it was, I mean, fundamentally, a lot of high-profile psychologists, they're, they're very famous people with interesting and exciting work to talk about and often some big you know that this this is some way to improve your productivity or to improve your child's education or to you know make yourself more confident and all these sort of things they, they're, they're looking into that you know does does their um do violent video games cause violence or something like that you know they've got some big hyper a big exciting idea and they go and mm. talk they go they, they are public speakers or they do consultancy they go and do speak speeches you know after dinner speaking to um advertising executives or whatever and say this is how you and, yeah. and banks and things like that exactly or yeah. you know and they do they they or they do um consultancy for uh, you know for various firms to say this is how you improve your whatever yes. and and the fees for those can reach literally tens and possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars for the very top people which is an incredible amount of it's money right. for, it's remarkable that you, you can get paid you know, fifty thousand yeah. dollars for an hour's speech. It is amazing to me. I, I, got, I, I once got paid a thousand pounds for a sp- uh, talk I gave about my first book, and that seemed absolutely mental to me. Like, <laughs> ab- like just, what are you doing? Give me this money. I'd, do, I'd have done it for a third of that. But I wouldn't now. Now I'm much bigger deal. You'd have to pay me a lot more. Obviously, obviously. you would. Obviously, yeah. you would. Uh, uh, but, but I mean, it, it, the, it, I can imagine. You know, speaker fees. People pay for people to travel you know on planes and that's thousands mm. of pounds and stuff but to turn up and get 50 grand for a, a speech and it's probably that doesn't crazy. even that doesn't even include the travel stuff that they would have to pay it's amazing yeah. and it just shows that there are you know organizations out there banks big businesses uh tech companies and so on with just endless pools of disposable money that they yes. will you know spend and it turns out they spend a lot of it on motivational lectures for the, from psychologists yes but okay so the interesting, I mean, that the, the interesting thing is when I when I reported on, on for, for Nature, how few of these scientists declared it as a potential conflict of interest, yes. and that's despite the International Committee of Medical Journal Editors, the ICMJE, they've got standards saying that you should indeed declare all monies from sources with relevance to the submitted work, and that includes fees like monies paid to you for services rendered generally honoraria royalties or fees for consulting lectures speakers bureaus bloody blah, blah, blah so exactly this so it's, and, in, so it's in the the rules that you should you should state it yes but culturally most people sign up for but mo- yes exactly sorry carry on well i was gonna say but in uh, sort of in scientific publication culture or whatever you want to mm. call it, it you only you only really feel like you have to declare stuff if it's you've been directly paid it to do the research. Yeah, to do the research. Or I, th- I guess in medicine, you pay it if you've been consulting for a pharmaceutical company. But mm. but in psychology, that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Like you can consult or do lectures for yeah. or any, all sorts of organizations. And, and just it doesn't seem like it's a standard thing to disclose that. Yeah, well, I, sp- I spoke to an editor at the BMJ and I spoke to an editor of um, a neuroscience, neuro- a neurology journal and they both said no in our in our discipline you absolutely declare that yeah, so medicine, more than like 100 medicine, pounds seems, yeah. Yeah. you absolutely should and then i think it's sort of physical science you know medical science yeah but um there just wasn't that culture in psychology yeah um and i, I just want to be clear like, i'm not suggesting that any of these people were 
deliberately changing their results. But obviously, if you earn money from talking about how important your results are, your, your psychological study findings, then you do have a financial interest in finding positive results because obviously yeah. if you're if you're going out to talk about how your amazing discovery uh, that you can improve productivity by changing the scent in the room or something like that is how you know how how you, you can tra- businesses can transform tra- transform their productivity by doing that and then you do a study and the results come back oh no it actually doesn't work at all it's all it's all nonsense you you can you, have egg in your face yeah and well, more than that, you're going you're to be cutting off a, lo- a major income stream right 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 but i mean yeah the egg on the, the egg <laughs> in your face it, it means that you will then not be able to go and do an exactly, after dinner yeah. speech for 50 grand yeah you're right no one employs after dinner speakers with egg on their faces i agree, I agree yeah. with that yeah yeah um so yeah so it, i mean and it's a it's a non-trivial problem and I, the the effect size on that was wasn't it something like that there were two and a half more times as likely to report positive findings yeah uh, yeah, yeah. As if if they if they did have this financial incentive as if they didn't and again like I'm sure these people are believe very much what they are saying but it is it is a definite conflict of interest and I will also say in defence of Carol Dweck and her colleague um, David Yeager they have since started adding conflict of interest declarations including right. to their 2019 meta-analysis and that's due to you i, I believe so you've yes. helped clean up science uh, in that, genu- in genuinely respect. like i like i say probably the most impactful thing i've ever done it's in my great. career yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm very proud of it uh, I, I but i also think people should be uh even more radically open with stuff that they were in the writing scientific articles I, mm. I feel like they should my favorite example is um a study about margaret thatcher Mm. Uh, and how Margaret Thatcher had this uh, really bad effect on Scotland in particular in yeah. uh, you know in the eighties when she was uh, when she was prime minister, and obviously that's a you know they they try and back it up with data in the in the study. This is on the mm. health of people in Scotland, um, but also it's a clearly a political point because you're railing against a, a you know a, a conservative party prime minister, mm. and the author of the study in the conflicts of interest section where you would normally say you know i have received money from xyz thing he says such and such is a member of the scottish socialist party and i think good on you yes you know? well done you good yeah, on exactly. you for being open about that because then people can read the article and they can understand okay this is written by someone who mm. may have a political bias and i'll bear that in mind and i'll evaluate the evidence with that in mind and it just makes the whole thing much more transparent yeah. and it makes i think i seen from a reading before that uh, conflicts of interest declarations don't reduce trust maybe they should but they don't reduce trust in people in researchers so in a way that it's just it's in, in a way that does make me trust that guy more you know like that totally. makes me think like i i you get that that's an important thing to mention you know yeah. anyway yeah. So, the, so that big meta-analysis never found anything, right? That was the That's... 2023 one. And, and yeah. here's where it gets a little bit complicated because the, the met, both meta-analyses so far are by, or at least co-authored by, uh, Brooke McNamara, who I know. That's my conflict of interest. Although mm-hmm. I also have sung karaoke at the house of one of the big proponents of growth mindset on, who's on the other side of the debate. So I'm, uh, I've got conflicts in, in both, in both uh, directions. Excellent. So she uh, authored this. And so that uh, let's just refer to that as the McNamara side of the argument. All right. Then there's another meta-analysis by a second, by a second group. Uh, and they are, again, again, I think it's fair to say, more sympathetic to the idea of growth mindset. They are uh, Burnett is the, is the lead author. Uh, of, okay. of the article, Jenny Burnett. She is from North Carolina. I mean, if that makes any, if that makes any difference, and she has uh, seen her colleagues ran the meta analysis again, but they use a different technique that really emphasises not just one 
overall number to be like this is the effective growth mindset but um instead what's the overall like she was really looking at different groups to see is there over is there an effect in different groups or not now you might think well didn't the original meta-analysis do that because you just mentioned that and the answer is yes it's just this uses a different statistical technique okay um and they said that actually it is the case that in certain groups of at-risk kids um if you do this this special more complicated multi-level meta-analysis uh, if you deliver the growth mindset to people who are expected to benefit the most, then you do find effects on okay. things like on things like uh, academic achievement. Right. So case closed. Cool. Can we go home? <laughs> no. Well, then another group came along, and this one includes uh, some of the biggest growth mindset proponents, and they took the statistical technique from the Burnett meta-analysis and applied it to the McNamara data set because the data set was slightly different because of that whole thing we talked about before about how inclusion criteria are different hmm. and they said if you do the statistical analysis and you take the, the from the burnett paper and you take the data set the exact same data set that's a quote from the mcnamara study you find that you do indeed get these effects of, of growth mindsets for at-risk people okay Case closed. So, yeah, case closed once again. Case closed twice. Yeah. Except, and this is one of the most devastating re- replies I've ever seen from anyone on uh, on um, sort of academic Twitter. There, there's a Twitter thread, but it just summarizes an article. Um, Brooke McNamara came back with a real incredible response to uh, to to this, where she said that in fact you didn't use the same data set, um, and in fact you changed loads of the numbers from my data set uh, right, literally just changed gone in, like gone into the excel spreadsheet and changed it yeah because they found studies that they thought were more they found effect sizes within the studies that they thought were more relevant um because right. obviously within a different within a study you're, you're looking at different things and so you can mm. pick like oh the effect in this subgroup or the effect in this subgroup the effect mm. on this measure or the effect on this measure um you can choose you know you can pick and choose different different things Yes. Um, and uh, you really have to read this to believe it. Uh, there's a free version online that anyone can access. And you, you really do have to see, like, they, 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 there are multiple tables in this response by Brooke McNamara where she goes through, she and her co-author go through all of the changes that were made to this meta-analysis, uh, to this data set by the growth mindset fans that are, that are doing this reanalysis, and basically showing how they tipped it in favour of growth mindset. Um, they didn't pre-register what their plans were for this reanalysis by any means. They just they just did it. They just did it as they went along. And it seems that they've gone through and picked individual effect sizes that made growth mindset look look bigger and better in 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 very many cases. And then said, "Well, look, you get an effect when you when you include these in, in the study." And they wrote this quite patronizing. Uh, response, uh, you know, was saying, "Oh, if you use more modern methods, you find an effective growth mindset." And and the McNamara response is just like, "Well, actually, if you just get it right, if you just get all the, if you just do the very basic thing of getting all the numbers right, then actually, there's no, um, there's no effective growth mindset." And they just made loads of errors. They claim that some people didn't have financial incentives when, in fact, they did. They claim that some studies were pre-registered and, in fact, they weren't. Um, really, I do encourage you to take a look at this uh, Twitter thread because it really is, is mind-blowing. And I actually think that that, 
the the growth mindset people's um, reanalysis thing should be retracted because it's it, it, it's just full of mistakes and so obviously biased and such a good um, illustration of why you have to set your criteria before you see the data, not after, um, so that you can you can plan things out and not just be led by your own biases into yeah. getting whatever results you want. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's um, I'm sure it's entirely unconscious and not deliberate, or but it is. It is so easy to fall into these traps when you've you've got like things you want to be true, and right. yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you see it so many times, so many times in so many areas, and it's amazing to, that senior scientists aren't uh, still falling for it. You yeah, know, yeah, I think there's uh, pre-registration. Pe- people find it a frustrating thing because they don't like to set out their hypotheses beforehand in extreme detail. But you, you really must do it. You must do it. Um, uh, otherwise, there's so many. You know, people talk about the garden of forking paths that you're walking through when you're doing a study. You know, you can go off and you come to this fork in the road. You can go in this direction or this direction, um, and then you go get another fork, and you go in this direction or this direction. And you wouldn't have planned out all those choices beforehand, or many people don't plan out all these choices beforehand. Um, and so you end up taking the one, having looked at a bit of the data, you can see the data in front of you. You end up taking the option that makes it more likely that your hypothesis will turn out to be true, and that distorts reality. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So you know you end up with a much more unreliable literature. So I would say overall from that whole the whole episode and i really do encourage people to look through the different um you know this is real academic beef going on here it's great to see it and and they they document it i think the phrase that you would use on twitter is that they have got the receipts tom is that correct <laughs> yes that's exactly the sort of thing well, you're much younger than me Stuart. you should know these things <laughs> not that much younger than me. but but um but yeah uh, i believe that they've got the receipts and uh they can show that the growth mindset researchers really are incredibly biased uh in in this and I'm not even saying that's due to the financial incentives that you that you mentioned because we know no. that people are getting all these big big financial payments uh, who are in the world of growth mindset because they go and talk to you know organizations that are interested in boosting their you know productivity and so on um but also just because they're invested in the idea and so you want your, so you want like you've dedicated your career to looking at something that you think will genuinely help people, and you've really nailed your color. You know, you've you've, you've attached your reputation you to it. Your whole career, yeah. yeah, exactly. Of course, you want it to be true, yeah. and of, you know, I'm sure you. Of course, you. Of course, you believe it, right? And and you, of course, you get angry with people who seem to be saying it's not. But yes, yeah, you still got to do the the careful statistical digging through you yeah. know to, yeah yeah totally. anyway. and, and that's what they say that mcnamara concludes and that's the fine that's the, like the final most up-to-date thing in this whole de- the debate as far as i'm aware she says meta-analytic mm. decisions should be a priori so like not sort of doing it as you go along yeah transparently reported and consistently applied and they, they've failed to do any of those any of those things in the mindset side i would say so oh well so okay so we i think we probably think it's not real i think yeah i think at the moment the growth mindset literature shows overall that there's very little reason to think that it's that it's true now before these new meta-analyses came out i would have said i think it's maybe a tiny effect and that's Mm -hmm. and that's okay but i think basically this reduces my confidence now even more in whether the effect is real and i think uh, it's very very unlikely that there's there's anything there people have tried for decades now and we don't have much uh going on yeah, I mean, I remember speaking. Well, uh, speaking to Carol Dweck in 2017 for that first piece that I did on it, and she made 
she said, look, you know, about, about the failure, failures to replicate back then, she was saying, you know, not anyone, this was a, this is a, a quote, but like, not anyone, not anyone can do a replication. We put so much thought into creating an environment. We spend hours mm. and days on each question on creating a context in which the phenomenon could plausibly emerge. Replication is very important, but they have to be genuine replications and thoughtful replications done by skilled people. Very few studies will replicate done by an amateur in a willy-nilly way. And like, I, I know, I'm sure she believes that, but it's, it, it implies that, even if there is something real, that the effect is so fragile, even if other yeah. really highly qualified psychologists are doing the same thing in a different classroom somewhere, it's not appearing. And, and yet you think you can go and roll it out to primary school teachers to get them to make posters, you know, get, get their five-year-olds in the class to make a poster and that'll do it. I yeah. don't, I, you know, it just... It's you, the, yeah, that, that, that um, attitude has come out a few times in the replication debate in psychology. I remember there was a famous example where one sort of older psychologist, more senior psychologist, said that the reason people couldn't replicate his research was that they didn't have this, the flair in the <laughs> in the lab for getting the effects. And it's like, well, if your effects are, as you say, if your effects are reduced to, like, your lab assistant needs to have a particular flair or you need to have, mm. you, you know, you, you need to have a flair to get them, then how much are they telling us about human psychology in general and about yeah. how much we should educate, our, you know, how specifically we should educate our kids? No, I feel like great. You've found something that you can do in one lab in Stanford, but it doesn't tell you anything at all about what will help in a Muswell Hill primary school. Right, you know? right, exactly. And yeah, it is in that Muswell, you know, growth mindset is in that Muswell Hill yeah. school uh, classroom and everywhere else as well. And, you know, I, I, it just reminds me of, you know, what we mentioned right at the start about the size of the effect, how we used to talk about it and how we talk about it now. Here's a quote from Carol Dweck. Let's not waste any more lives, because once we know that abilities are capable of such growth, it becomes a basic human right for children, all children, to live in places that create that growth, to live in places filled with yet. Uh, ah. Like, yeah, as in, like, you don't know that <laughs> yes, yet. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God. That's from, that's from her, I believe that's her TED Talk. Th that's how people used to talk about it like it was a, a basic human right um, mm. like it should be an educational you know national educational priority she said to do growth mindset now it's like well does the effect even exist in the first place you have to you, you know pick pick a side that you think is more reliable I know which side I'm on yeah. and, and neither side are claiming anymore that the effect is particularly large no, you're you're no longer picking like this is an educational transformation that will you know revolutionise how we teach children. It's now saying well you might have be able to get a relatively cheap small three percent ish bump in performance across uh, some students, but even that just seems implausibly large now because the other the other uh, meta analyses find not even that. Yeah, and it's yeah. just it's it's tiny and fragile and 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 it does feel. Like it's just been this massive fad. It just I find it wearying. Yeah, you know how much time is spent at kids' schools and and at various places trying to instill this growth mindset totally. off the back of science, which I don't think really backs it up. No, I, you know, no, yeah. and, it, and 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 if you said to people like if you, if if you showed people the quality of the studies, uh, there are studies that don't have you know um, particular blinding and they don't have particularly big samples in many cases and you know they're not particularly high quality and you know as we said in this meta-analysis they could only find eight of the you know 60 something studies that have been done that 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 reach quality that are high quality studies and they don't even mm. find an effect mm. i think if you showed yeah. if you showed people this effect if you showed people this this evidence years ago it would never have taken off but of course the way we talked about it was as if it was this 
enormous transformation yeah. well it's always the way and so i think we i don't know if we mentioned the decline effect already but the mm. um when you it's always the way that your first your, the first few studies finding some effect especially in psychology um is always huge and it explodes and it's you know, the biggest thing in the world and then 10 years later it's like there's people saying oh well if we do a sample size of twenty thousand, we can justify and get a get a statistically significant result you know yeah. showing that it does yeah so uh, anyway I so think it's i think a classic case of that shrinking uh, yeah. Uh, effect. yeah. The, the studies show, therefore, uh, the consensus of the studies show is, I think, this is not a real thing. Or if it is, it's so small that it doesn't really need to be considered. Yeah. Forget yeah. it. Do, 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 you know, read a book or something instead yeah. of doing yeah, yeah, both exactly. mindset intervention. Well, um, Stuart, that's been a lot of fun. It's this been fun. Been and don't forget... Show. Uh, to subscribe uh, if you're on uh, Substack so the thestudyshowpod.com you can find us on Substack and subscribe there if you're feeling very kind you can uh, uh, subscribe uh, become a paid sure. subscriber and we're actually this week um, we've been putting out some options for paid subscribers for some extra stuff that they can get and that includes asking us questions we're going to make a special episode answering people's questions and soon enough we'll be making episodes like this that are just for paid subscribers as well um, you can also help us in other ways you can write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else uh, you're listening to this you can give us a like on Substack uh, and I think really importantly you can also tell your friends about it tell your friends uh, if you've been enjoying yes. the show do you have a friend who's a teacher and needs an update on the growth mindset literature this is maybe the place to uh, direct them so that would be extremely helpful uh, for, right. the, for the podcast wonderful all right well Stuart that was a lot of fun and that was a study show that was indeed the study show thanks very much guys thanks very much. Another time. cheers all right. bye